up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Chris, I have a question for you. I don't think I like questions. Have you ever heard of a little something called Olipop? I guess it doesn't matter that I don't like questions, but no, I haven't. I swear this is not a sponsored tag or anything. I just discovered this today. Uh, Ashley and I went to Sprouts, which is a little market that we enjoy, and in the soda section. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, never mind. I was going to take a guess, but that ruined it for me. What did you think it was? Nothing. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Olipop, uh, we discovered in the soda section, is like, it's tonic water, but it's flavored with like plant-based ingredients. And it oddly enough tastes very similar to soda. So like I got the classic cola and it wasn't too far off from Coke. And actually got, I want to say like a cherry vanilla and hers was amazing. I would have gotten that one had I known. But I was a little skeptical at first and I just thought like, man, we've done it. We've made it. We've created something that is, I guess, relatively healthy for us. And it tastes like pop. Okay. I have I have multiple questions following up on that, Phil. I am not at all surprised. Lay them on me. The first question, is it actually it's like actually tonic water and not seltzer? Yeah, it says it right on the on the label. It's like it's like plant based flavored tonic water. Somehow they've taken the bitterness and they've planted a happy face right on me. And I don't know how they did it. But I like it. And I think you should try it. I think you can find it at like Whole Foods or, you know any of your favorite markets. It's called Olipop. And again, not sponsored, just just me being me. Okay, my, my follow-up to that is, have you tried Dram? No. I guess that would be my follow-up to my follow-up. It was a sub-follow-up. Anyway, Dram just so happens to be this little apothecary in this random town in like the middle of the Colorado mountains. But they use kind of like that all-natural ingredients and create really interesting complex flavors for their their seltzer. So I think I think my favorite is actually the it's a cardamom black tea. Oh, yum. That sounds good. It is really good. It is fantastic. Have you baked so, with cardamom? If, if, Phil, who hasn't baked Isn't with cardamom? Isn't it the best? I don't know. I, I do like cardamom. I don't know if I've actually ever like really baked with it, but I enjoy the flavor a lot. And it is it is cardamom. How do you say this silly word? Is it like a mother or is it is it like cardamom? Well, cardamom? are you American or British, I guess, is the <laughs> real question there, Phil. Is she your mom or your mom? Actually, Phil, I, I don't honestly bake a crazy ton, but that does kind of like create a decent little segue into a topic that I thought would be kind of fun to talk oh, about. Yay! So I was I was thinking that maybe we could go back to the basics a little bit because I, I know that when I first started attempting to do anything in the kitchen, it was always a little intimidating, not exactly knowing the specific technique, and it always felt like that. It always felt like a complex technique that a recipe was talking about, and I was afraid that I would if if I got it wrong, it would just absolutely ruin. The meal I was trying to make. Yeah. I mean, I've been there just about every day. So I thought we'd maybe like kind of cover some of those. Let's put the training wheels back on. Because we're still just trying to figure this out ourselves anyway. At least I am. I mean, I literally just learned how to drive a stick shift. And then my wife was like, come on, man, you're 37 years old. You got to know these things. Wait, are you making that up? (laughs) Yeah, that was a little joke, but 
Is no, I know how to drive. Come on, Chris. I know how to drive a stick. Was your MX-5 a stick stick? Because uh, I, I could have sworn I've seen yeah, you drive a stick Yeah, that was a stick. The MX-5 but, was, yeah. That was a good car. I forgot I, I forgot I had that. I'm impressed you knew I had that. So, Phil, I mean, if we were to define cooking. How would we define it? Yeah. Oh, wow. We're really going back. I mean, I, I think I would I would think of, and I'm not I'm not pulling up any dictionary here. This is just, this is raw. This is me and it's raw self. I, I think I think it's taking something that's raw and it's applying heat to it. Or it's it's maybe like changing it just a bit to make yeah. it edible. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't like look up any definitions either, but yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. It's like the strategic application of heat to change a food. I think with cooking you're trying to do several things. You're either trying to make the texture more palatable, more interesting, more easily eaten. With like vegetables, that's often what you're trying to do is is make the texture something that's a little more easily chewed, change the flavor of something. Because, you know, we've talked about the Maillard reaction and uh, I think we've even hit on, you know, a lot of what cooking can do to things like vegetables. It can bring out the, the sugars in them. And then there's this idea that there's germs that exist in the world. So cooking can also help reduce or eliminate germs. Bacteria. So is using your water filter in the refrigerator, is that cooking? Well, you forgot the strategic application of heat. I don't know how hot your refrigerator <laughs> gets, Phil, so maybe it sure. is. So like you're you're using heat to accomplish one or all of those three things. You know, with some things like meat, obviously you have a, a higher risk of, you know, foodborne illness and you're, that you're trying to eliminate with heat. But you're also, you know, tenderizing the meat. And I think those browning reactions do an amazing thing to meat. Whereas like vegetables, you might not necessarily be as worried about bacteria. That's why you can eat them raw. All that sounds pretty kosher to me. Yeah. Makes, makes perfect sense. So kind of within that, it seems like there are several different categories of, of cooking. So if we were to, you mentioned baking. So let's just start like inside the oven and the, the main cooking terms that we might hear like baking. Yeah, or broiling. Or roasting. Or roasting. Or basting? Is that a baking? That's not a baking term. <laughs> no, I think I think that's like something that do you do when you're You would need your hand continually something. in the oven. Probably. Yeah. That's that's how that's how the, the, the professionals do it, Phil. But uh basically, you know, if you if you put something in your oven with dry heat, you're baking it or roasting it. So we've talked about these type of meals that we use cooking sheets for and I'll often you know call it like roasting vegetables or something along those lines and you might use more of the baking term but it's really the exact same thing we have an oven that's kind of like a a mid-level heat 375 400 somewhere around there and it's just like dry oven heating things yeah just good old classic heat in a box yep heat in a box well Phil you also mentioned broiling which is one of my favorites. I love to broil, Chris. Yeah, and it's similar. Because toast. Kind of, yeah, no, absolutely. It's similar but more intense. So usually like the broiler is instead of using either the heating elements on the bottom of your oven or whether that's gas or electric, they're usually on the bottom, and you get more of an indirect heat. A broiler is on top, and it's like direct, really hot heat, usually about 500 degrees. And so it's great for things like toast or if you want to reheat some leftover pizza, really reheat anything that you don't necessarily want to get soggy in a microwave. 
Yeah, the broil the broiler is like far and away the best way to go. I I, I kind of feel like we touched on this way back in the day, but leftovers for me were. I think they just kind of carried this stigma that they were soggy and that they were unenjoyable. Like if we had leftovers on the menu on like our weekly yeah. meal planning growing up, that was like the day that we just weren't all that excited about, you know, because it meant soggy food. And then when I met my wife, I discovered the broiler and all the different uses for it. And I actually look forward to leftovers now. Yeah, I can really. Yeah, it's 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 far and away the best way to. To do your leftovers. And maybe everybody already knows that. I don't know. I didn't know that. I didn't. I grew up like you, Phil, and I married well like you. And that changed so many aspects of my food enjoyment process. 100%. And the broiler is one of those things. You mentioned toast. We don't have a toaster. The broiler covers that pretty stinking well. So those are the types of things that we often do inside of the oven. You know, I, I would say that 90% of the time that we're using an oven, we are like roasting slash baking. So if we're moving, you know, up in the world to the stovetop, we kind of have a couple different things that we can do up there as well. We, we have these dry types of cooking where we're not involving water. And usually, you know, we're using the pan, a Dutch oven, like we talked about recently, or like we talk about all the time, because pretty much we just repeat the same thing. Because over and over. we're good people, and that's what good people do. They talk about Dutch ovens. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with that. So, since we've just been calling back to old episodes so much lately, our interview with Stacy. Oh, I love that guy. He's so, so great. And he talked about how in his cookbooks, he, he tries not to use words that maybe have some unknown to them or kind of carry that, that element of like high cooking technique. And saute was one of the ones that he mentioned. And so he said that oftentimes, instead of using the word saute, he'll just say, cook it. Cook your vegetables. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I can get on board with that. I mean, I guess most people know what it means to saute your vegetables, but maybe it's the spelling. Maybe it's that little, is it a tilde at the top? People just like aren't sure about that. And so to to not overwhelm the reader, let's just simplify it down and say cook. I, th- I think Stacy is, is is a brilliant guy and he's obviously doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that's what I always did was like, I just like, okay, I'm going to cook it. But I didn't know if I was somehow messing something up because I wasn't actually sauteing it because I didn't actually know what sauteing was. So what is sauteing? It really is just to cook it, Phil. Usually you have like a little bit of oil. So we, we do still consider that like a dry cooking technique, even if we're using oil because we're not using water. But Oil helps transfer that heat. And with sauteing, you're usually using a high, relatively high heat. The oil is kind of shimmering. And I think that's actually where the word comes from. It's like a a French word for shimmer or jump, um, something along those lines. And so you're you're cooking your food in this kind of high heat oil environment. And you're generally cooking it all the way through. Oftentimes you're doing it with vegetables and you're cooking it till they're soft, more or less. Okay. One of my favorite ways to do rice is to actually, what I always thought of as toasting the rice, which maybe, I guess for the sake of this episode and continuity, maybe I should stop calling it toasting the rice. But I would take the rice uncooked and I would put it in a frying pan with a little bit of oil, maybe butter, and then just kind of like brown it up a little bit before I actually steamed it. And it's just, it's just a great way to give it that little bit more of complexity of flavor. And so I'm wondering, have I been sauteing my rice 
all along and I didn't know it. Maybe. Or you might be like browning or searing it, which are kind of the same thing. Okay. And to, to brown or sear, often you might have that associated with something like a cut of meat, especially especially the word sear. And really what you're doing is starting that, that Maillard reaction that we talked about. So you're, you're getting it hot. And so the color is actually turning a, a bit brown you're getting that nice golden color to it but you're not cooking it all the way through because you're you're hitting it with high heat so just that outer portion of it cooks and that's also pretty similar to this other idea of charring but that's just taking it to the next level and usually if you're searing something or browning it but that's not like the the end of the cooking process that's you know the first step in it and then you're going to possibly or probably cook it further later like your rice okay so are you a sear i guess they call it reverse searing are you a, a reverse sear kind of guy for, for your meat? like a steak yeah, or for your steak or for your lobster tail no you know? no i think i think if if you know we're like stepping outside to the the grill or something i i like a, a two zone direct heat indirect heat type thing and so i'll i'll throw it over direct heat to sear it first and then finish it off in indirect to get it up to temp. That's my go-to anyway. So brilliant. I'm really looking forward to our barbecue series. Not sure when that's going to come out. Maybe not in the winter, but that's going to be a good series. Phil, I'm I'm looking forward to that one as well. So, you know, we, we talked about like adding oil or a fat is still kind of part of our dry cooking family. Honestly, like deep frying and pan frying are kind of the same, that same world because you're not introducing water. Obviously, like deep fry, everybody thinks of really submerging things in oil. And that's kind of the, the idea there is like, like a frozen turkey at It goes all the way in. Yes. Or donut or I don't know, whatever else you want to deep fry. Sure. Pickles? Do people, is that a uh, thing? They do here in the South. I like I've yeah. heard that that's mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never had one, but I've heard that that's a thing. And then pan frying is, you know, kind of similar. You're you're cooking at a high heat in an oil, but it's not completely submerged. It's in a pan and the oil's maybe like halfway up your ingredient. And you're going to use that if you have something that's like maybe a little bit more delicate. A pickle you could probably deep fry. We made schnitzel the other day. Have you ever had schnitzel? Okay. Yes, I have. It's been a very long you time. You can do yes. it with, oh, I guess you can do it with whatever you want. Most often it's done with either chicken breast or pork chop. And we did it with pork and that required some pan frying. And I got to tell you, Chris, that is not the easiest thing to do in the world. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really easy to, to burn it. And then, you know, you're obviously dealing with oil temps, which again is not the easiest thing to manage if, if, if you're not very well versed in it, I guess. I think that just means that you need to eat more schnitzel, Phil. Okay. I can do that. I guess. I don't know. It might mean something else. So we talked about some dry cooking techniques. And then I guess obviously the opposite of dry cooking would be wet cooking. And for these, you use water. And these, I think people are are maybe a little bit more familiar with. So maybe the most boring of cooking techniques would be boiling things. It just doesn't impart a lot of flavor, but it it can cook something all the way through and make it soft. I'm fairly certain we boiled chicken growing up. Why did we do that? I'm sorry, Phil. Why did we do that? Yeah, boiling just doesn't, it doesn't leave room for flavor. And really it kind of comes down to that Maillard reaction, I think, that you really get with, with high heat. Well, boiled chicken doesn't turn brown. No. It's just kind of white and soggy. And it takes, mushy. it takes the flavor out. And it replaces it with rubber, like a rubbery texture. Yeah, that's scientifically what's going on, actually, <laughs> is the flavors being extracted by the water. And it, the water then teleports rubber into it. Science. So, 
you know, if boiling is taking something to, we all know what boiling is, you know, you heat water up and it starts to boil like bubbles and steams. It's, it's process of going from a liquid to a vapor fill, yeah. but, uh, simmering, I think simmering can be a little, maybe, maybe like a thinner of an envelope as to like what simmering actually is because it's not boiling. It's, it's actually just before the boiling point. So it's not like a steady low boil. You might have a couple bubbles here or there, but you're technically still below the full-on boiling point. Yeah, and we've all seen this in a recipe where it says, you know, bring your XYZ to a simmer and let it sit there for 10 or 15 minutes or whatnot. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 bringing down the temp. I mean, I, I guess if you're already out of boil, then bringing it down to a simmer is most likely just going to be bringing it down to low on your range. Yeah. Because it's going to retain that heat. It's Yeah, it's still it's still hot. It still has steam coming off of it. It's just not quite bubbling as much. Makes sense. So after simmer, we have poaching, which if you think about poached eggs, it's it's kind of the process of like fully cooking something submerged in, in hot or boiling water. And then blanching, which is, again, like kind of halfway between... You know, a lot of these are kind of that way. It's like you have, like you can sear or brown something and then you can like full on char it. It goes from brown to black. Blanching is kind of like poaching, but halfway. Like you pull the thing out halfway through and stop the cook in an ice bath. Asparagus is is great blanched, I feel like, Phil. Oh, interesting. I'm going to have to try that. I've always done my asparagus in the oven. And then there's the process of steaming things. It's still a wet cooking method because there's water involved. Even though the food technically doesn't get submerged in water or actually touch the liquid water, it's being enveloped in the vapor form of that water. Yeah, and steaming is a great way to make rice. rice. And to make fried eggs, Christopher. Oh, really? Yeah, take your pan, drop your fried egg in, or I guess it's not fried at this point, drop your egg in the pan, let it cook for maybe like 60 seconds, and then take a little bit of water and pour it on top of the egg. And then cover it with a with a lid, remove it from the heat, or maybe just turn it down to low, and then let it sit there for like two or three minutes. And then that is going to create some steam, which will cook the top of the egg, and it prevents you from needing to flip the egg. Which is great because I'm terrible at that. That's why I don't make fried eggs at home as much as I would maybe like to. I always break them. I'm so. fairly certain it's how restaurants make their fried eggs look so pretty. I think they steam them. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So all of that leads me to the last Big cooking technique. Big, big basic cooking technique. Although it's kind of complex. It's a compound cooking technique, Phil. And that's braising. Oh, I thought you were going to say AeroPress. We've, oh, maybe I should. We've, we've like so many things now after nearly 100 episodes in a year of doing this, we've, we've mentioned braising a time or two before. Yeah, maybe, maybe just a time or two. But mostly because it's, there's like this one dish. And I'm not even going to say it because everybody already knows what it is. But there's this one dish that requires braising, and it's the best. The French dish, well, okay, there's really, there are really two. The French dishes that will not be named, yes. Yes. But braising is kind of a combination of that searing as well as really kind of like simmering, I guess. So it's a combination. It's it's compound. It's complex. You take usually your meat, a cut of meat, a meat of some sort, and you sear it, you brown it, which means you're not cooking it all the way through. You're just really initiating those Maillard reactions on the outside, generating those flavors, and then you're putting it in a liquid and cooking it 
really kind of like in a low and slow type manner, extended period of time, lower heats, you're letting that liquid simmer. And what you end up with is something that has the complex flavors of browning, searing, that high dry heat cooking method with the tenderness of some of those wet cooking methods. And the result, French cooking. And it's so good. The most iconic of French dishes, I would say, Phil. Yes. yes. Yeah, no, braising is is great. Something that I am glad I learned from this show. And I think I think my kids can agree. So what's your cool. favorite method, Chris? Well, oh, you know. All the methods? Uh, what, one of those? I don't know, Phil. There's a time and place. There's a oh, time yeah. and place. No, I get it. Sometimes you just want to throw some vegetables and some chicken or sausage or something on a, on a sheet pan and toss that in the oven and not think about it for a while. Other times, yeah, it's hard to beat something braised with maybe a little bit of wine. This sounds like a great opportunity to flood Stacy's message boards on all of his recipes. And you can find that at southernbite.com. Seriously, really, really great content there. Yeah, no, Stacy was absolutely fantastic. And he knows more than us and presents it in a probably better way than us. So I don't know why Stacy's not hosting our podcast. <laughs> Maybe he just needs to be asked, Chris. Okay.